Blog Talk Radio.
calloused. We sat next to each other in those drafting tables with our triangular rulers and number two pencils so we could get jobs at Lockheed as draftsmen drawing blueprints of fighter jets, or do tool and die cutting to make refrigerator handles at GM where they assembled Frigidaire refrigerators and Chevys. But we weren't going to fly the fighter jets. Somehow at Phillips Andover Academy, a dumbbell with an oil well for a daddy was going to go to Yale and then fly our fighter jets over Texas. We weren't going to Yale. We were going to Vietnam. Then when we came back, if we still had two hands, we went to GM or Lockheed. It is no coincidence that much of the student population at our school was Hispanic. But if you went to Bevy, Beverly Hills High School, or Hollywood High, you didn't take metal shop. You took advanced placement French. You took advanced placement calculus. We didn't have advanced placement French. We didn't have French anything. We weren't placed. We didn't advance. Steve was a math wizard. He should have gone to UCLA, to Stanford, but our classes didn't qualify him for anything other than L.A. Valley College and Cal State Northridge. Any dumbbell could get in. It was nearly free. That's where Steve was expected to go, and he went with his big math whiz brain. And then Steve went to Lockheed like we were supposed to until Lockheed shut down plants in 1988. Steve left, took the buyout. And after NAFTA, GM closed. Land of opportunity? Well, tell me who gets those opportunities. Some of you can and some of you can't imagine a life where you weren't given a fair chance. Where the smarter you are, the more painful it gets because you don't have your face pressed against the window, because you have your face pressed against the window watching them. They got the connections to Stanford. They get the gold mine. We get the shaft. This is where Paddock and Palace were bred, Sun Valley, the anus of Los Angeles. Literally, it's where the sewage plant is. It's a trench below the Hollywood Hills where the smog settles into kind of a puke yellow soup. Here's where L.A. dumps its urine and the losers, they only remember when they need cheap labor and cheap soldiers when the gunzos don't supply enough from Mexico. Oh, Gusano? Gusanos, okay, sorry. I'll take you to Sun Valley. It's my film, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. In the movie, A Kind of Dream Scene, the actress uh, Shalene Woodley takes me back to my family's old busted home in the weeds and then down San Fernando Road near Steve's place. Take a look, America. Along the tracks that once led to the GM plant, you see a bunch of campers that the union men bought for vacations. Now they live in them. No, Steve's brain was too big to end up on the tracks. He lived in empty apartments and crappy buildings he bought. Then he, then in a barren track home outside Reno. I laugh when they say he was rich. He wanted to be them, to have their stuff. He got close. It's reported that Steve was a professional gambler. That's another laugh. He was addicted to numbing, to numbing his big brain by sitting 14 hours a day in the dark in front of a video poker machine. He was a loser. Have you ever met a gambler who said they were a professional loser? It's fair to ask me, why didn't I end up in a hotel room with a bump stock AR-15 and 5,000 rounds of high-velocity bullets? 
because I have a job, a career, an obsession to hunt them, to hunt them down, the daddy pampered pricks who did this to us, the grinning millionaire jackals that make a profit off the slow deception of the lives I grew up with. Slow decomposition. Decomposition. Well, I'm oh, sorry. That's right. <laughs> it's very small print. Yeah, I know. I, uh, that's the way it was. But I'm telling you that I know it's a very fine line and lots of crazy luck that divided my path from Paddock's. Dear Rita, the publication that pulled this story at the last moment was plain scared that they'd be accused of approved proving murder. Paddock slaughtered good people coldly with intense cruelty, destroying lives and hundreds of families forever. If you think I'm making some, up some excuses for him, then I give up. But also this, the editor of the Beverly Hill-based publication, a Stanford grad, could not understand that just like veterans of Vietnam who suffer from PTSD even today, so too losers of the class war can be driven mad by a PTSD that lingers, that gnaws away their whole lives. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it faster like a sore? Does it fester like a sore? Does it stink like rotten meat? Sag like a heavy load. It does. It, it explodes. It, it, it does. It explodes. <laughs> Steve, you created more horrors than you cornered than you cornered life that your cornered life could ever justify. But I just have to tell you, Steve, I get it. And that poem was by Langston Hughes. What happened to you? Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, so, isn't that amazing? He went to school with him, and the guy was brilliant. Well, he had a great math mind, but he wound up being stuck in the gut. Supreme Court? 
Oh and he was he was uh, taken out, and then he was dropped out because of his prejudice and his stupid rulings. And he was uh, he was impeached. Oh, so now he's going to run for the Senate. And then he was reelected by to, to it, and now he's now he's trying to trying to run for Senate. Oh, just amazing, isn't it? Well, he can join the other boobs. Yeah, I hate to tell you, man, but uh, you know the the quality uh, is a little tough there in Alabama. Well, you, you know, let tell you something. This guy. Yeah, yeah, the quality of the Senate is a little questionable. Yeah, I mean, he's true. he's got a lot of boots for his team. Well, Yellowstone Caldera has a lot of people on edge this week. Caldera. Caldera. <laughs> Apparently, for good reason. For those not in the know, a caldera is a depression caldera. left. Caldera is a depression left on the ground after a supervolcano erupts. Yellowstone huh. did so about 630 years ago in the violence of that mighty explosion, the likes of which have never been seen by human eyes, made that gorgeous national park what it is today. 630,000 years ago. What did I say? 630 years ago. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my error. Yeah. I, 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 uh, if Yellowstone decides to erupt, well, can good, uh, buy canned goods. An eruption won't be the continent's obliterating event depicted in the disaster flick 212, um, but it would be quite completely bad. Um, uh, every, Who wrote this? I don't know, but it sucks. Um, I don't it's hard, it's, yeah, it's hard to read. Yeah, it's hard to read. Uh, yeah, it, I don't know. Bannon wrote this? No, no, some guy named William Rivers Pitt from Truthout. But it, it's a poorly written, you know. Yeah, so like yeah. You should learn how to write. Uh, President Trump never did send uh, 25000 He promised a gold star father. Yeah. That's along with the uh, support for the uh, hurricane victims, too. He hasn't sent that yet either, I bet. No, the Harvey support did a million bucks there. Yeah, sure. A gold star father said he's still waiting for the $25,000 check President Trump promised him after his son died in combat. Chris Baldridge, the father of Army uh, Corporal Dylan Baldridge, said Trump phoned him a few weeks uh, after his 20 uh, and two fellow soldiers were killed. And uh, an Afghan uh, office, a police officer, on June 10th. I don't worry about it. Baldridge was Trump. Uh, said Trump spent about 15 minutes on the phone consoling him. The Washington Post reported. I said me and my wife would uh, rather our son died in trench warfare. Uh, Baldridge told the Post. I feel like he got murdered over there. In his conversation with the president, Baldridge, a construction worker, described his frustration with the military survivor benefit program. He explained that his ex-wife was entitled to the Pentagon's $100,000 death grant in gratuity, even though she struggled financially. Even though he struggled? Yeah. That's his ex-wife. His wife, I'm sorry, his ex-wife, yeah. I can barely rub two nickels together, he told Trump, the uh, Washington Post reported. Baldridge said the president then offered to help him out financially. He said, I'm going to write you a check out uh, of my personal account for 25000 and I was just floored. Well, I could not believe he said that, and I uh, wish I had it recorded because the man did say this. He said, 
No other president's ever done something like that, like this, but he said, I'm going to do it. He never did either. Baldrige well, <laughs> uh, was stunned by the president's reply. I said, Trump never sent the check. He received a condolence letter from the White House. That's it. It opened it up and read it, and it was hoping to see a check in there. To be honest, he said, I know it was kind of far-fetched thinking, but I was like, damn, no check, just a letter saying I'm sorry. Offensive 
against the Islamic State is not the only ongoing war that is killing civilians. According to a report from the U.S. Nations, uh, United Nations Assistance Mission in Afghanistan, documenting civilian casualties during the first half of 2017, aerial operations led to a 43% increase in civilian casualties compared to the first six months of 2016, including a 67% increase in civilian deaths. While Trump bragged about giving military commanders total authorization to make combat decisions in Afghanistan, Washington Rep. Adam Smith said he believes that this move is contributing to the increase in civilian deaths. You really have the military making decisions that were designed to be made by civilian authorities running the military, Smith said. We've seen an increase in civilian casualties, and I think we've become a little too indiscriminate in what they're doing. And uh, this article goes on, but it's a, you know... Um, in the concluding paragraph, it says, Obama suppressed surpassed Bush's record, and now Trump has surpassed Obama's record. But the only thing that has actually been accomplished is that thousands of innocent civilians have lost their lives, hundreds of thousands of civilians have lost their homes and their communities, and the civilians who do survive in the countries the United States is targeting now will grow up hating America for destroying their home in the name of freedom. Well, I'm telling you, that. Yeah, it's, uh, so, it's what you, that's right about that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's, yeah. Yeah, why, why would you target women and children? I don't know. Really? I don't know. Because you're sick. It's just sick. FBI uncovered Russian bribery plot before Obama approved Uranium One deal, netting Clinton's millions of dollars. And this is from uh, Zero Hedge. Uh, it says, uh, as the mainstream media continues to obsess over $100,000 worth of Facebook ads allegedly purchased by Russian spies in 2016 seeking to throw the presidential election, we're almost, cons- we're almost certain they'll ignore the much larger Russian bombshell dropped today in the form of a newly released FBI documents that reveal for the first time that the Obama administration was well aware of illegal bribery, extortion, and money laundering schemes being conducted by the Russians to get a foothold in the atomic energy business in the U.S. before approving a deal that handed them 20% of America's uranium reserves and resulted in a windfall of donations to Clinton Foundation. As we pointed out last summer, when Peter Schweitzer first released this feature documentary, Clinton Cash, the uh, Uranium One deal as approved by the Obama administration, netted the Clintons and their Clinton Foundation member of millions of dollars in donations and speaking fees from Uranium One shareholders and uh, other Russian entities. Uh, Russia's purchase, uh, Russian purchase of U.S. uranium assets in return for $145 million in contributions to the Clinton Foundation. Jesus, God. Bill and Hillary assisted a Canadian financier, um, Frank Gustra, and his company, Uranium One, in the acquisition of uranium mining concessions in Kazakhstan and the United States. Subsequently, the Russian government sought to purchase Uranium One, but required approval from the Obama administration, given the strategic importance of the uranium assets. In the run-up to the approval of the deal by the State Department, 
Nine shareholders of Uranium One just asked, just happened to make $145 million in donations to the Clinton Foundation. Yeah. Moreover, the New York New Yorker confirmed that Bill Clinton received $500,000 in speaking fees from Russian Investment Bank and ties to the Kremlin about around the same time. Boy, Jesus, huh? And neither the country out. Yeah. Needless to say, the State Department approved the deal, giving Russia ownership of 20% of U.S. mining interests. Uranium assets. Isn't that sick? Yep. That's so friggin' sick. Um, she has the nerve to point the finger at anybody I else. I know. They should have been in jail for this, uh-huh. you know, including Obama. Uh-huh. Now, thanks to newly released affidavits from a case that landed one of Russian co-conspirators, uh, Vladimir Merkin, in jail, he lear- we learned that not only was the Obama administration aware of the Russians' illegal acts in the U.S., but it may have also been fully aware that Russia's nuclear officials had routed millions of dollars to the U.S. designed to benefit former President Bill Clinton's charitable foundation. During the time, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton served as a government body that provided the favorable decision to Moscow. Before the Obama administration approved a controversial deal in 2010, giving Moscow control of the large swath of American uranium, the FBI had gathered substantial evidence that Russia's nuclear, Russian nuclear industry officials were engaged in bribery, kickbacks, extortion, money laundering designed to grow Vladimir Putin's atomic energy business inside the United States, according to government documents and interviews. So nobody did anything. Vladimir Putin's own atomic energy company. And uh, federal agents used a confidential U.S. witness working inside the Russian nuclear industry to gather extensive financial records, make secret meeting recordings, and intercept emails as early as 2009 that showed Moscow had compromised an American uranium trucking firm with bribes and kickbacks in violation of the Foreign Corruption Practices Act. So what do they do? Well, they also obtained an eyewitness account uh, backed by documents indicating Russians' nuclear uh, officials had touted millions of dollars to the U.S., I routed millions of dollars to the U.S. designed to benefit former Bill Clinton, uh, President and Charitable Foundation during the time of Secretary of State and served on the government body. Okay, that, uh, we just read that. Those, they duplicated that, that uh, paragraph. But anyway, that's the name of that story. Pretty sad, huh? Yep. Pretty sad, I have to say. It's pretty and sad. nothing's been done about it? Oh, what's that? Barack Obama. What's the name of that? Mike Gap. With Dimitri Medvedev. 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 That's 24 seconds or something. Is he the oil guy? Medvedev. I think. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's. Or is he government official? Yeah, he's a government official. I think he's the ambassador. One of the ambassadors. Yeah. Um, after my lecture, I have more questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. It's always nice to hear that. I missed our opening song. I always feel like we need a song to start. Going on a wave, you know. It was actually playing. We couldn't hear it. Yeah, we couldn't hear it because of the speakers. But we're all set now. And Leo and I were just talking about that Bannon. We yeah. decided he's not very nice at all. He's a nasty guy. He's just nasty, and he yeah. looks nasty. He's becoming to be, oh, yeah, terrible. He, he really is a nasty doesn't, guy. Doesn't like anybody. Well, I mean, why would anybody like someone like that? I, mean, I don't know. He's, he's just kind of like a real... He's got a mean face, too. Very yeah, mean. yeah, he, he's just a nasty kind of guy. Oh, you know, and he, he was friends with that um, with that other guy, um, Weinstein. Yeah. Oh, which one? The the one, yeah, the, the, Harvey, the brother Harvey. or the Har- no, Robert or yeah, Harvey? No, Harvey. Harvey. Yeah, yeah, he's, is, yeah, he's it? playing a story of his films there and everything. Mm. And uh, got him going on that. And he was, uh, yeah, you know. All right. Let's uh, get some things happening here. Amnesty International. Yeah, they're trying to help. Trying to get help to, to the support the, Rwandan people, uh, Rogandan people. No, the Rohingya. Rohingya people, yeah. That's a crisis. Uh, yeah. It's ethnic cleansing. Yeah, textbook example. More than 500,000, 502,000 people have been fled in Myanmar, uh, making this the world's fastest growing refugee crisis. Missing and 
forced over a hundred thousand hundred thousand people to abandon their homes and evacuate. Law enforcement officials and legal marijuana industry leaders alike are beginning to suspect the Mexican cartel uh, playing a, a role in starting deadly fires. Mm-hmm. While massive wildfires are far from uncommon in California forests, they usually occur in December and January, not October. Moreover, this year's this year's have widely been described as unprecedented in size and destruction. Some 16 fires have burned over 200,000 acres of land in Northern California so far. Uh, Law enforcement authorities, including senior Department of Homeland Security officials and key people within the legal marijuana business, quickly noticed that the areas hit hardest by the fires are the same places that California's marijuana industry legally grows cannabis and are now starting to suspect foul play. Yep. Mm. That's what happened. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Why would they want that? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cartels, they're going to lose all their business. I don't know why. Eighty-eight-year-old grandma gets six months in jail for denying what the Holocaust. I don't know. I'm not sure. Nazi grandma. Yeah. Yeah, they put you in jail if you uh, if you deny the Holocaust in uh, in Europe. Ah, in Germany. In Germany. Yeah. Ursula Haberbeck, accused of denying the Holocaust, sits in a courtroom in Berlin, Germany. Now. This week, October 16th, a German court has found Ursula Haberbeck, also known as the Nazi grandma, guilty of inciting hatred by saying that the Holocaust is a fiction and that there were no gas chambers in Auschwitz concentration camp. The octogenarian was handed a six-month jail sentence. Whoops. Haberbeck, a notoriously fervent denier of mass killings of Jews during Holocaust, received yet another conviction, this time for claiming at an event in Berlin in January last year that the Holocaust did not happen and nobody was gassed in the infamous death camp in Auschwitz that claimed lives of 1.1 million people between 1940 and 1945, mostly Jews. Haberbeck, who pleaded not guilty, alleged she was Citing from a book when speaking at the event. However, upon studying the half-a-minute footage, the court determined it was her own speech and found her guilty. Her lawyer's argument that prosecuting her violates Haverbeck's right to fee speech failed to score any points with the judge. Moreover, while on trial, the accused repeated the statement, Der Spiegel reports. As and another author for neo-Nazi magazines, Haberbeck has never minced words in expressing her more than controversial beliefs, no matter the consequences. Next month, she is set to stand trial on similar charges from town in Detmo, where she is appealing the eight-month jail sentence the court handed to her in September. The charges revolving around her letter to Detmo's mayor in which she insisted that Auschwitz was a planned labor camp. The um, was a plain labor camp. The letter was timed with the trial of a former SS guard at the Auschwitz death camp, Reinhold Hanning, tried in Detmold, uh, Detmold. The 
The court eventually sentenced Hanning to five years behind bars for accessory to murder in 170,000 cases. Holy shit. Hmm. Um, in August, Haverbeck lost an appeal in the District Court of Verdun in Lower Saxony, which increased her jail term for 10 months to two years without parole. And the court found her guilty of inciting a Holocaust denial. Right? And under German law, incitement of hatred constitutes not only encouraging hatred or violence to a particular group of people, but also approving of denying or downplaying Nazi crimes. Those found guilty by the court face up to five years in prison. However, Haverbeck is yet to serve any jail time as the decisions in her case are still pending. Haverbeck has uh, also received two fines and a suspended sentence for sedition. Jeez. She keeps going, huh? Yeah. Saying, oh, man. Yeah. Well, I don't know if she's right or wrong, but... so much evidence I've seen to, to prove the, the denial of the Holocaust, you know, but um, definitely, but at the same time, uh, I wasn't a survivor, right? Right. So we don't know, we don't even know how bad it was or if it happened or why it happened, but it happened. So anyway, let's see if we Month. 
All ages welcome. Celebration will include Drag Queen Story Hour uh, featuring Zoki Moki at 12 and at, at p.m. and a community art show at 1 p.m. and an LGBTQ History Lifetime uh, workshop starting at 2 o'clock and brought to you by a collaboration between the Long Beach Library, the GBTQ uh, Center of Long Beach, the GSA Network, and the Imperial Court of Long Beach. An image of Mochi reading children's quickly went viral. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, my God. And uh, a very enthusiastic supporter of the event was the official Church of Satan. Oh, they tweeted, God. They tweeted, Hail Satan, with a link to the library tweet. It is not surprising as the headdress worn by the event's guest reader was dressed and made up exactly like a demon. The only logical conclusion uh, that one can draw is that Michelle Obama supports events that encourage satanic messages and use drag queens as indoctrination prompts on vulnerable children. Terrible. Yeah. An outspoken critic. Look at crazy. I wish you could see it, folks. An outspoken critic of the event and Republican congressional candidate Omar Navarro. Uh, Na- Navarro is currently challenging incumbent Democrat monks Maxine Waters in t- California District 9. Um, Navarro says, he tweets and says, what are the, we teaching kids in school? Demonic teachings alive in Long Beach. I'm outraged. They would, would allow this. This obviously calls into question the current state of our education system. When, uh, when does the extreme leftist uh, propaganda cross the line? I am all for progress, but when I did, when did progress start becoming dressed as demons endorsed by the Church of Satan and marketed toward infants and small children? I don't think this question is out of the realm of reasonable discourse. I think he's right. Yeah. Absolutely right. Terrible. <laughs> there was a man behind swastika painting at the University of Revealed as African American. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, so, anyway, that, that's that's pretty bizarre. I think, I wonder if there's a, it says watch live now. Maybe we can get a, uh, a snapshot of what that was. If that really was, yeah. So it looks awful. I wouldn't like that. No, you want your kids being ripped to by, uh, by, by a, a demon? A demon. Uh, lookalike? No, not even a lookalike, a demon uh, uh, drag queen. Terrible. Yeah, it's not, I, they don't have the video. I guess I don't mind the drag queen part. I don't like the demon part. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like I don't like Satan worship pushed on. No, me neither. No, me neither. I don't like it at all. Um there's one more thing I see that probably has yeah. Oh yeah. X D E A agent says the opioid crisis is fueled by the drug industry. Financial. 
weekend, there are some responsibilities of love you got to do on your own. And some you shouldn't have to shoulder alone. Like ensuring... They put it right out of reach so you can't, so you can barely find it. Yeah. See that? Seriously. Hate that. By the way, forget security, financial. Um... President Trump announced Tuesday he nominated for drug czar Representative Tom Marino has withdrawn his name from consideration for the position. Huh. President Trump announced Tuesday that his nominee for drug czar Tom Marino has withdrawn his name. I thought that's interesting. Huh? In the midst of the war, uh, uh, the worst drug epidemic in American history, U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration ability to to keep addictive opioids off the U.S. streets are derailed. And according to Joe Renan, Renan, Renan Z, is he? Renan Z? Renan Z? Renan Z? Whatever. According to this guy, Joe Renan Z, one of the most important whistleblowers ever interviewed by uh, 60 Minutes, Renan Z, ran the DEA Office of Diversion Control, the division that regulates the investigates the pharmaceutical industry. Now, in a joint investigation by 60 Minutes in the Washington Post, Rana Azizi tells the inside story of how he says the opioid crisis was allowed to spread, aided by Congress, lobbyists, and a drug distribution industry that shipped almost unchecked hundreds of millions of pills to rogue pharmacies and pain clinics, providing the rocket fuel for a crisis that over the last two decades has claimed 200,000 lives. Holy smokes. This is an industry that's out of control. What they want to do is do what they want to do and not worry about what the law is. And if they don't follow the law in drug supply, people die. That's just it. People die. This is an industry that allowed millions and millions of drugs to go into bad pharmacies and doctors' offices and distributed them out to people had no legitimate need for those drugs. And what Joe Renazizi is tough, blunt, former DEA deputy assistant administrator with a law degree, a pharmacy degree, and a smoldering rage at the unrelenting death toll from opioids. His greatest ire is um, reserved for the distributors, some of them multi-million billion dollar Fortune 500 companies. They are the middlemen in the ship that in the ship that pains pills, they are the middlemen men that ship the pain pills from manufacturers like Purdue Pharma and Johnson and Johnson to drugstores all over the country. Right on is easy, accusing the distributors of fueling the opioid epidemic by turning a blind eye to pain pills be, being diverted to illicit use. Joe Run is easy is an industry. This is an industry that allows millions and millions of drugs to go into bad pharmacies and doctors' offices and distributed them out to people who had no legitimate need for those drugs. Bill Whitaker, who are these distributors? Joe Renese, the biggest, the three biggest distributors are Cardinal Health, uh, McKenzie, and Amerisource Bergen. They control 85 to 90% of the drugs going downstream. And he says... Uh, you know the implication of what you're saying, uh, this is the reporter, that these big companies knew that they were pumping drugs in American communities that were killing people. 
Brazili. That's not an implication. It's a fact. That's exactly what they did. In the late 1990s, opioids uh, like oxycodone and hydrocodone became a routine medical treatment for chronic pain. And drug companies assured doctors and congressional investigators, as in the 2001 hearing, that the pain medications were effective and safe. While Purdue uh, executive to uh, Congress in 2001 said addiction is not common, addiction is rare in the pain patient who is properly managed. With that, many doctors convinced the drug poses few risks, prescriptions skyrocketed, and so did addiction. So that's, that's what happened here. And they keep pumping this stuff. They keep pumping this stuff. So I, if I were you, I would go to, if you want to learn more, this is a long article. It's a good one. Very long. Uh, go check it out at uh, 60 Minutes. Yeah. CBSnews.com. Okay. Uh, 60 Minutes. And uh, it's really, really amazing. Big, bad, bad stuff. Big, bad stuff. But you know, I can tell you the truth. I, I, I just had some uh, reaction to some meds that I was taking. And, uh, you know, they, they use you as a fucking guinea pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just use you as a guinea pig. Turns out these are, these, you know, there's enough side effects listed on this thing, and I wound up getting them, you know. And, uh, you know, from, uh, I don't know if anybody's taking the statins, but, I, you know, if you are, you stay the hell away from them if you can. You know, those damn things are kill you. You know, they're supposed to help you prevent a, much cholesterol in your system and heart attacks. You probably don't have any cholesterol, but your heart doesn't work. Your heart doesn't work too well. You know, but it's, uh, after using that, that's for damn sure. Mm. You know, you can really, they can kill you with that stuff. They probably kill, I don't know, I, I read there was over 100,000 deaths due to mist uh, every, every year. Uh, and that's probably minimum due to uh, uh, side effects. Yep. You know, of, of drugs that are given these people. Oh, terrible side effects. Yeah, bad, really bad, man. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, really bad. I don't understand this. The Kardashians, they have a picture. And Libra- then they have a picture a of librarians. That poses with libra- as the Kardashians.
Now, here's a quote from one of the study researchers named Lisa Christian. She's the associate professor and researcher from the Institute for Behavioral Medicine Research at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. She says, quote, growing evidence shows that those who received a flu shot in the prior year have lower antibody responses in the current year. What she's saying is that if you get a flu shot this year, even if it gives you some protection this year in terms of your antibody response, it suppresses your body's ability to respond next year and the year after that and the year after that. In fact, there's another study that looked at responses to flu shots in 2012, 2013, and 2014 flu seasons. It found that those who, this is a Canadian study, found that those who had a 2008 flu shot experienced a 250% increase in influenza infections during those years that I just mentioned. So that's huge. In other words, just one flu shot can compromise your immunity for many years yet to come. Another study published in the Human Environmental Toxicology Journal found that a multi-strain inactivated flu vaccine that contained mercury was the cause of a 4,250% increase in fetal deaths during the pandemic flu season of 2009. The evidence is mounting. Flu shots are a medical hoax. They still contain mercury, which is a potent, brain-damaging, neurotoxin heavy metal. They're still given to pregnant women, and they're damaging unborn children. They're also given to children. So they're causing brain damage in children, and they don't work to protect you from the flu in subsequent years. It's junk medicine. It's quack science. The flu shot is total quackery. It harms more people than it helps. It weakens your immune system, and now the science is confirming it again and again and again. This is not my opinion. These are the studies. I just read you the journals where these studies are published and uh, the name of at least one of the researchers who confirms that. This is the science. So those who say, well, flu shots are backed by incredible science, uh, yeah, they're backed by science that says they don't work. They're backed by science that says they suppress your immune system function. That's what the science really says. And there's more science that says that mercury is a toxic heavy metal. You should never inject mercury into a pregnant woman or a child or an adult or senior citizen, anyone. There's no reason to inject mercury into any living being unless you want to harm them. Look, if you want to protect your health and you don't want influenza, take vitamin D. Take some zinc. Boost your nutrition. Stop exposing yourself to toxic chemicals. Clean up your diet. Exercise a little bit. You know, have a healthier lifestyle. You don't need vaccines. I haven't had the flu in, I don't know, 15 years maybe. I never get vaccinated. Never. And when I was a child, I was vaccinated, but not since then. So if the flu shot was the only thing that could protect you from the flu, I would have the flu every year. And yet I never have the flu. How can that be if the flu shot is the only thing that can protect you from the flu. So you see, it's all a big lie from the vaccine industry. It actually harms you. It hurts you. And the truth is, here's the, here's the big aha from all of this. Suppose there is a massive pandemic that is deadly enough to kill millions of people around the world. Let's say there's some new bird flu strain or some new you know, H5N1, whatever. Uh, some influenza strain, okay? Guess who it's going to kill more easily? those who got flu shots. It's the vaccinated people that are going to be the most susceptible to a pandemic fatal wipeout. And that's what the study proves. It shows it. 
your immune system is suppressed against influenza. So that pandemic comes along, it's going to destroy those who got the flu shots. In other words, get this, the flu shot program is, in essence, medically and factually, a population reduction program. Because a pandemic is inevitable. It's going to happen sooner or later. We've had some you know, possible pandemics in just the last decade, some that the World Health Organization even declared a, a stage five or stage six pandemic, right? Sooner or later, one of these pandemics is going to get loose. It's going to sweep through the cities and the countries of the world uncontrolled by the CDC or anyone else. Who's going to get killed by that? The people who got the flu shots. And I ask you, do you think that's a coincidence? Question of the day. Think seriously about this. If you're getting a flu shot, you are, in essence, painting a big red target on your back to be killed by the next influenza pandemic. That's what the research shows. If you want to live, if you want to survive a pandemic, don't get a flu shot because the flu won't kill you normally. Very few people die from the flu compared to the number of deaths per year. The CDC says it's 35,000 a year. That's exaggerated. It's not that many. But if a pandemic comes along, it could kill tens of millions or hundreds of millions of people around the world. You probably don't want to be in that group. So follow more news on vaccines at one of our websites, vaccines. So that's, uh, that's pretty much it for the night. I want to thank everybody who joined us. You too. I, I thought they were all went home, but they didn't. They joined us on the radio and didn't go to bed. Listening. <laughs> okay. They ran home they, to listen to the L.A. Steel show listen tomorrow or, or some other time. For the podcast, they, they, it's uh, something every day. Yeah, I don't get uh, those on my phone, so I don't know. No, you can, you can do a podcast. You know, it's, it's easy. Well, good night, folks. All right, And I, so, let's uh, hope this weekend is nice and people yeah, get outside. Yeah, so we thank you very much for And put your us. mind to solving all these problems. Collectively, if we can think of good and, solutions. And don't, and don't get a flu shot. Really, don't. We, uh, we don't uh, because we, we know better. I don't believe in them. I don't believe in them. Uh, the only time I got one, I got sick. That was about 20 years ago. And I never had another one after that. But you have had the flu. But I have had the flu, but I got over it. So I did get the flu the time that I had the flu shot. So, um, you know, same odds. But I haven't had the flu now in, knock on wood, about five years, so four or five years. So that's good. That's a good news thing. All right. So I'm going to leave you tonight. I'm going to try to find my song. So bright. All right. Hang on a second. Hang on, folks. Get my song going here. Okay, here we go. Good night, everybody. Have a nice, uh, nice time. Talk to you next week. <laughs>